Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. First pick in the 2020 draft. The Cincinnati Bengals select Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU. Going deep on his first throw to Smith. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Draft Brawl Podcast on the Brawl Network. I am your host, Tyler. Joined by my two co-hosts, as usual, Dante and Saray. How are you guys doing on this nice Thursday evening, at least where I'm at right now? You know, it's really nice weather-wise in Michigan. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, it's been a busy day. I'm on three cups of coffee at 6.30, so... You know, it's it's been a, it's been a busy day, but I'm I'm excited to to do the pod today, man. There's a lot to talk about. I'm actually not a big coffee drinker. I don't drink coffee at all. Like really? Yeah. Like even I wake up early too. Like all you know, I work in the morning. I go to school and everything. I don't, I don't drink coffee. It just doesn't do anything for me, and I don't like the taste of it. <laughs> really? See, I doing this has developed my coffee drinking habits. Okay. What Maybe about like, sir, sir, Are you a coffee drinker? I do, and my friend's actually about to send me her Keurig. But, Dante, yes. what the hell are you doing that requires three <laughs> look, cups of coffee? Look, I had to get up at 8 a.m. I had to finish the safety class. I had to write up my article for the safety rankings. Then I had to edit stories for the Temple News. And um, then I just needed to pick me up it later. So, you know, it's an addiction. You don't understand. Like, it's just if I don't feel well, I just drink coffee, and it all goes away. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> oh, but, my gosh. Yeah. For me, that's just a nice cup of water. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. So we have some interesting topics for this episode. So we are not just going to break down the offensive tackles. That's what we, you know our intentions were to do You know, uh, as the week was going on, was just to break down the offensive tackles. And that was it. That was going to be our episode. But, you know, there's been some stories developing around some big college stars and NFL stars opting out of the season and not deciding to play at all for the 2020 year and uh, due to coronavirus obviously so um i want to just get into the subject since you know we're a draft podcast a podcast uh, i want to get into you know some college pleasure opting out and kind of what it means and where do you guys stand with college football are you guys as confident maybe you guys were a couple months ago of uh, football happening maybe not college football but let's talk about both you know college football and the nfl are you guys confident that this is going to happen and you know, now we're seeing some big players opt out. Are you guys even less confident now? I'll start off with Saray on this one, and then I'll, I'll chime in after. Uh, man, I if you would have told me two months ago we were playing football, I was more confident. Uh, now it's not looking likely, dude. I think they're going to push stuff back to the spring. I know the Division Two level has already canceled uh, all fall sports. Um, so there's that. And then for the dudes who are, you know, small school prospects, that's like a huge hit, you know, so hopefully they can get that figured out and get everything, you know, pushed to the spring. Uh, we've seen Gregory Rousseau, Rashad Bateman, Rondell Moore. Um, let me know if I missing anybody else that's opted out. Micah Parsons, Caleb Farley, I think were the, the five biggest names that opted out. Um, I think Moore was the most surprising out of all of them. I thought he could have benefited from another season, but nonetheless, still a fantastic football player. So, um, again, I really do. I, I think, Greg Rousseau could have opted it to play another season, dude. Like, I, again, as a Kings fan, it's sad to see him go. But from, you know, just from an analyst standpoint, you got to understand where he's coming from. His mom is a nurse. She's seen young, you know, kids his age pass away from COVID. So she didn't want her son taking that risk. So I understand it from a health standpoint. And also from a future standpoint, dude, um, a lot of people have him as a, you know, a top 15, top 20 player. And so do I, rightfully so. He's in my top six. Uh, I, I may have to slide them down now, right? There's going to be dudes who play in a 2020 season who, you know, just by default may slide up, not higher than him, but just, you know, may prove themselves to be worthy of also a first round pick. So he may not be, you know, the only just top edge rusher out there. Again, I, I don't think he's going to go in the top five. I see him going top 10, top 15. 
I still think he's a first-round player, a huge upside, right? It's hard for teams to pass up on a high-caliber player at a premium position. Same thing with Bateman and Moore. I think those dudes are all first-round prospects, Micah Parsons as well. Again, I think all of them could have afforded to play another season, but at the same time, does Gregory Rousseau and Micah Parsons have a lot to prove? Not really, right? I mean, as far as technique goes, Rousseau has a lot to learn and a lot to improve on, but just off of just upside and talent and athleticism, there is so much to be excited about this kid, dude. So I, I don't know. It's it's hard to see, man. I'm waiting just to see if a dude like Trevor Lawrence, you know, offset. I know he said he wants to play, but it, you just don't know. I, if, if you would have said Gregory Rousseau and, and Bateman and Parsons would have opted out, I wouldn't have believed you. So it's hard to see what these dudes are going through. I, I understand it. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty. And again, there's also a lot of money on the line. This is still a business for these dudes, and that's something that people also have to take into account. I mean, I know that as fans, we want to see college football and see the best players pay, play, but at the same time, no, there's millions of dollars on the line here, right? And if us two, or us three, excuse me, were told, hey, man, if you opt out and save your body, right, and you can also make millions in the future, we'd probably do the same thing, right? So it's more than just a health standpoint. It's a career and financial decision that these you know, young 20, 19-year-old kids are having to make. So I can't really fault them. I respect the decision. You know, it takes... Uh, a lot of heart, you know, to be able to come out on the front line and tell everyone why you're doing it. And again, they don't know an explanation to anyone. But again, I just it's it's hard, man. COVID has kind of just screwed up everything for us. Yeah, I mean, to be fairly honest with you, I don't mean to be this negative person, but I just don't see how a college football season happens, honestly. Um, you know, we got to remember, I mean, these guys are not paid athletes. You know, there's not a, a union behind it. There's no like NFL PA behind college football and stuff like that. So I mean, we're asking student athletes who still need to attend class and you know still need to graduate to stay in a bubble from away from their family and like any type of social life, and you know they can't do anything. You're you're going to be stuck in a bubble, and I just don't see as a student athlete because like I remember like you got to remember these are at, or student athletes. They're not professional athletes, not making money yet. I mean, just put yourself in a parent's shoe. Would you want to send your kids out to a bubble for a couple months where you can't see your kid at all and they're just playing football and just on the field and back to the wherever they're, you know, housing them? Um, I mean, I, I think it makes sense. I mean, especially the top guys opting out. I mean, there's not really much to prove to be, you know, to be totally honest with you if there is a season. So I think they're looking at it as like, why am I going to lose three, four months of my life for something that I honestly don't need? And you're not going to get hurt, obviously, because, you know, you're going to be staying healthy and you could focus on your classes as well, you know, so you could graduate. So, I mean, for college players, I think it's an easy decision if you're a top prospect. You know, if you're not a top prospect, then I mean, obviously you want to play and uh, show yourself. But when you're a guy like Trevor Lawrence or a guy like Justin Fields, like, I mean, do you really need the season? Probably not. You, you really don't. I mean, you're going to be a top prospect regardless. But. Going on from the NFL side, I mean, I think this is even more of a concern when you're seeing guys that are making millions of dollars opting out and saying, you know, screw this. I'm not playing in this because the protocols that the NFL has shown is honestly a joke, in my opinion. I think they are a complete joke. I don't see how they pull off a full 16 game season because I think they're just viewing it as business as usual. And that's far from what 2020 has been for anyone, you know, from any workforce, you know. I don't care where you work, you know, it's just not been business as usual. And the NFL is trying to keep that, you know, uh, that rep right now. And they haven't done much changes. You know, something I think that could have worked for the NFL since they are paid professionals that maybe you could set up some hub cities and, you know, maybe you could work. Cause it's shown that if you're not in a bubble, it's not going to work. I mean, just for me watching major league baseball a little over a week now, it's been a mess, a total mess compared to watching some other leagues like, the NBA, who's killing it right now, zero positive tests as they're all in one in one bubble. The NHL is running their playoffs right now in two, you know, different hub cities, and they're killing it right now too, zero positive tests. Not a league I really watch that much, but the MLS, zero positive tests as well. And I know the NFL doesn't have that that luxury where they could just put you know all these players in one spot like the NBA did, but you know, put four hub cities, you know, put maybe two divisions in one hub and, and just do a 14 game season at that point, have them play two times a year and roll. I mean, like I said, it's not gonna be business as usual, but we're getting football at that point. And, you know, we're not losing as the NFL, not we, but the NFL is not losing billions of dollars from TV revenue and all that and et cetera 
from not playing a season at all. So right now, I think the NFL plan is screwed. I don't think it's going to work at all, honestly. I think we might get the start of the season, but I feel like we're just waiting. I don't think it's not if it's going to happen, but I think we're waiting for an outbreak to happen, kind of like with the Miami Marlins and St. Louis Cardinals situation happens because it takes one guy just to mess it up all the, you know, I mean, one guy, you know, goes downtown. He catches it, and then he spreads it to the whole team. Whoever they play that week, then, you know, it's just – it's a mess. So I thought a hub city or a bubble would have worked, but the NFL with with time ticking doesn't look like they're going to pull that off, obviously. So I'm really concerned about the NFL, and I think college football literally has no chance because your student athletes not getting paid. So it sucks, but, you know, um, college football didn't really have a, much of an advantage from the start because they're, they're student athletes, but – the NFL really, I think, dropped the ball on that. I, I mean, we haven't seen it yet, but I just can't see realistically how they pull off a 16-game season as business as usual, having all these guys travel and, you know, have them go back home where we don't know what their wives, their kids have seen either. So it's just a, a very messed up situation right now, and I think the NFL really dropped the ball, like I mentioned. Yeah, I just echoing a lot of the things that you guys said. I, I think you know my official prediction has always been that they will try to play football and that eventually it just won't work. You know, I mean, I think we're dealing with the NCAA and the NFL, right? Arguably two of the most stubborn organizations maybe in the entire world, right? Like the, these guys are set in their ways. They do things their way. They're going to try and play football. They, they, they are going to spit in the face of, you know, uh, a lot of things that maybe they shouldn't. And they're going to try and play football. And I don't I don't know how well it's going to go. I, I really college football is going to be tough. Um, especially given, you know, I don't think the NFL might have been able to pull off a bubble. I don't think NCA definitely cannot either. No. So either of those, you know, that it's it's going to be tough. And I, I think they're going to try. Right. Like there's too much money for them not to try on their end. And I'm not saying that that's a, a, a correct way to think about things, but that is the way that they think about things. That's the reality of the situation and how the NFL conducts business so i fully expect them and the ncaa to try and roll these kids out there and play football uh how far they get i have no idea i i think it could be four weeks maybe yep. eight I, I i don't know how far they get right like i'd be surprised if we make it past the first couple weeks without a team getting an outbreak and then a cancelization and then you know you have to cancel another game down the line and you know just a, a snowball effect uh, as for players opting out, I think first and foremost, uh, uh, great respect for these guys making this decision for their family, right? Significantly more important than football. And they have the reasons and I'm not here to uh, criticize them in any way for what they're doing. But I think it's important, you know, when you're looking at this from a football perspective, taking the, the personal side out of this, I think it's important to kind of look at this as a case by case basis situation, right? Like it's easy for a player like Micah Parsons, right? Who's a, you know, consensus top five player in this draft. He's, you know, linebacker one, right? It's easy for, you know, somebody like him to opt out. You know, Bateman's viewed as a first round pick. Rondell Moore, you know, you guys know how much I love him. You know, he's also probably a consensus first round pick. Caleb Farley, we haven't gotten to the corner class yet. We'll get there. You know, he's a very, very good player. I think he's a first round pick as well. Same thing with Rousseau. I think Rousseau is a first round pick, but Rousseau, the first one for me is like, he, it's the first one where like, I don't know if that was it was the best decision for him because of his family situation, so I get it. But from a football perspective, I do think he's losing out on valuable playing time here because this is a player who has one season of film, and his film is very good. He's a good player. I tweeted this out. I think he's edge one by a wide margin, but he's extremely raw. This is not a player with a established pass rush plan. This is not a player with great hand usage or great counters. I don't want to get too nitty-gritty into the scouting because we have to talk about offensive tackles, but... This is a player who really could have benefited from playing in 2020. And again, I'm not knocking his decision. I respect it, but it it's hard. I think he'll still be the first edge off the board, right? Because he's going to go to the combine and he's going to put up some stupid numbers for his size, given his burst and athleticism. But, you know, I would not be surprised of all the people to declare so far is if the biggest effect on his stock would be would be down here, right? Like, I, I think that this could affect his stock a little bit just because his film is so limited and he's so raw. Again, I, I still think he's going to be the top edge off the board. He'll be a first-round pick, probably a high first-round pick. But of all the players to opt out so far, I think he's the most interesting one as far as, like, you know, NFL teams might struggle a little bit just because, like, they want to see more and they didn't get that opportunity, and that's a shame. So I, I think the... Again, uh, a lot of respect for these guys, um, you know, not knocking their decision at all. It's just something as analysts that, you know, we at least have to talk about. Yeah, 100 percent. And as far as the NFL, like you mentioned, I thought they could pull it off potentially maybe a couple months ago. But like 
just not proactive at all and you know trying to adjust to today's world at all you know just like i mentioned yeah. trying to do today's well business. what's really disappointing about it too is that of all the sports leagues right the nfl had the most amount of time, time to do something about this right like nba mlb nhl all got canceled mid-season and i know it's easier for them to establish a bubble than the nfl I, i'm not going to sit here and say that it would be easy for the nfl to establish a bubble but you know they were blessed with the fact that they finished their season and had the entire off. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Season to figure this out, and it, it just seems like they haven't done enough. And you know, I think we can say that the NFL has that problem a lot when it comes to, you know, issues like this. Right. But it, it's just very disappointing to see, you know, how little they've done. It feels like to, to help these guys out. Yeah, I just I can't even mention what they've done correctly. I mean, like, what did they do correctly? <laughs> Nothing. I mean, I Nothing. mean, they they had to argue just to test them on a daily or like a every other day basis. It took players of star NFL players to go on Twitter saying we want to play, but we want like we need to be safe as well. So that wasn't even the original plan. It took players to go on Twitter and go publicly that this plan sucks. I don't know. I don't know. It, it sucks. I don't see how it works, like I mentioned. But uh, let's just get into the offensive line because it just hurts my head every time I t- I, I just <laughs> talk about this stupid league. <laughs> All right. That we all love somehow still, but all right. Right. Um, offensive tackles. Um, this is a very good offensive tackle class, like we've, uh, like I've seen so far. So I want to talk about the biggest prospects in the in this upcoming draft. Uh, Penny Swywell from Oregon. I'll start off with Dante on this one. What's your thoughts on him? And you know, is this guy all the hype? Yeah, this guy's all the hype and more. Um, Penny Sewell is the best offensive tackle prospect I've ever scouted. Um, I, he's my number one overall player in this class. I don't factor positional value. So Trevor Lawrence does not get the nudge for being a quarterback. I had Saray's looking at me like I'm nuts. Penny Sewell's the best player in this class, hands down. Um, most dominant film that I watched the entire cycle. Uh, this is a player who is an elite, elite athlete. I think he could line up a tight end if he wanted to. I think he moves better than Charlie Kohler, who we talked about last week. Um, it, really, really fluid player, quick feet, uh, springy out of his stance, but man, he packs a punch. This is, this is a powerful player. He gets his hands on you inside the chest plate. I mean, you're going, you're going either backwards or into the ground. There, there are no other options, right? Like he's taking you you're either going five yards upfield or five yards into the ground. So we have a player who not only shows really, really good power and really, really good athleticism, but he's also like 20. He's like a redshirt, uh, you know, he's like a redshirt sophomore. He's incredibly young, incredibly 19, even better. (laughs) I'm older than Penny Sewell. I'm older than Penny Sewell. I'm 20 years old. This kid is just a a phenom of a tackle prospect. I, I was so, so impressed with his film. There's a play in the Stanford game where he is down blocking on a double team and the running back is uh, left to deal with the edge rusher. And he like is down blocking, which means he's facing at like upfield and he sees the edge rusher beat the running back on the blitz. He turns his head like he's got eyes in the back of his head, comes downhill and flattens the edge rusher before he hits Justin Herbert. And just one of the most like remarkable plays that I've seen in a long time. It reminded me of that Quentin Nelson play where he's like left unblocked and he comes across the line and he just smothers that dude right from a couple <laughs> years ago. That That is the type of offensive line prospect that we're talking about here at Penny Soul. I don't know if he's going to rank above Quentin Nelson for me. I'm not there yet, but I know for a fact that he's going to be my top ranked tackle prospect that I've watched. I mean, this, this kid is incredible. The one thing I would say, just, you know, 
I, I'm nitpicking here, right? Like, this is my top overall player in this class. But, again, once in a while, I think he can get his hands ripped down a little bit too easy. I thought Bradley and I got him, uh, you know, once or twice in the Utah game. Um, and, again, though, he had that incredible play, right, where, like, Anai beats him around his outside shoulder. And Sewell does a literal pirouette, comes back into the play, and, and blocks Anai before he gets the sack on Herbert. I mean, just the, the levels of athleticism that this man shows are, is just wild. Uh, sometimes I think he'd be a little bit too high with his pads. Again, nitpicking. I don't think it pops up a ton. Just once in a while, I'd like to see him bend the hips a little bit. But he's so physically dominant, I don't even think he needs to. And it's certainly not a an, an, uh, flexibility issue, right? Like, I'm not saying that he isn't flexible. I think just sometimes he can pop a little bit up. Um, but this is a really, really elite prospect. I, I was so impressed with Penny Sewell. Okay. What about you, Sirius? Is he all the hype to you as well? Man, he, he gets me excited. Oh, he's so good. Just to be clear, I give Dante crap all the time about his takes, but I, too, have Sewell as my number one overall player. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So you gave him the most dirty look I've ever seen, I think, ever, ever. <laughs> and you have the same opinion as him? I do, I do. I just what? like giving Dante crap. But to be fair, I just do – positional value, like, did I, it's a quarterback, you know what I mean, to, like – I understand that's fair, but I, again, I, I, I just like giving Dante crap. It's funny. But <laughs> Sewell, dude, I, man, again, same thing for Dante. He is the hands down the, the best tackle prospect I've ever laid eyes on. Been doing this for three years now. Um, obviously not a long time, but do it again. I don't know if he's going to be, uh, you know, <laughs> Connor Nelson. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be good is, is, is him. Quentin. But I just, Quentin Nelson. Quentin, Sarah. I, dude, I don't know why <laughs> Connor was in my head. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be good as Quentin Nelson, but the dude, he's super talented, man. I Athleticism, dudes his size should be to move, able to move the way he moves. I turned on the film last week, and I've watched bits and pieces of him, but I actually did a deep dive. So first game I watched is, you know, week one against Auburn. I think it's like the very first or second play of the game. Oregon throws a screen. Mm. He beats this man, <laughs> you know, gives him a gives him a shove you know, with the right arm and gets out into open field and just completely obliterates the man. <laughs> I don't know if it was the safety linebacker. I can't remember who it was. When I say he ran this dude into the ground, I felt sorry for the kid. Like, you probably shouldn't want to play football anymore. If you have... Dude, the next day on film, I know you guys, you know, Auburn wins the game, but you're getting clowned all day for that. Like, that play was just incredible. Dude, I, I mean, again, like Dante said, I'm literally nitpicking here. I, I When I take notes, I write my I write my notes on paper in red pen and I do, you know, pluses for the positive and I do, you know, minuses for the negatives. There are literally only two negatives on the on the Scotty report. That just goes to show how much I like to do it. Again, I two two things I said and to be fair, the Bradley and I play you're talking about. Bradley and I was a technician, man. He had some of the best hands in the class as one of those edge rushers. He was really, really good to me. Um and nitpicking. I had the pat level thing Dante talked about. I said, you know, he sometimes to overextend, try to get his hands on. And um, you'll, you'll see that, right? He tries to overextend, and he'll lose track of where his hand place means to be. Um, sometimes I had here, he, you know, he really wants to move so quickly so he doesn't give up the edge at times because he knows if he's dealing with a, a, a very speedy edge rusher that sometimes he gets beat with an inside move, right? But other than that, dude, he's 19 years old, and he is the most well-rounded prospect in the class. The dude is a super talented, great mover, great athlete, anchor ability out of the world, great length. He's very fluid in his pass sets. He's comfortable. Dude, his first kickback step and, and his pass sets is some of the most comfortable things I have ever seen, dude. I mean, dude, he literally, man, I've seen some people call him like Joe Thomas 2.0. I don't want to go that far because, again, he has to play like NFL downs first. But, dude, I mean, the, the hype is warranted, dude. It's it, He's tackle one, and it, it's really not close. I mean, I don't know what the season's going to look like. I mean, I, I know he's a part of the Pac-12 group, right, who's, you know, talking about the demands they want in order to play football, you know, and how they don't feel safe. So, who knows? Soul may opt out, right? But again, off of the film we've seen at 19 years old, he doesn't have anything else to prove. Um, playing in the Pac-12, he doesn't see the super trait, you know, athletic edge rushers that some of the guys we're going to talk about in the ACC or in the SEC. He can't control anything about that. All he does consistently is beat his man that's in front of him. You go back and watch the Auburn game, dude. I've seen him control Derek Brown. I've seen him control Marlon Davidson. These are two big, strong dudes who were Derek Brown was a first round pick, right? Top ten to be yeah. to be sure. So like I, I the dude's really really good, and I I don't know where this dude lands, and I don't know who's gonna get their hands on him. If I'm the Bengals, I tank my life away and I, I go grab Penny Sewell and pair him with, with Joe Burrow. I'm so serious, dude. I man, 
I, I would lose 16 games in a row for this dude. That's how talented this kid is. And he's not even a quarterback. It just goes to show, dude, tackles don't grow on trees, right? If you go look at the elite tackles in the NFL, how many elite left tackles are there? There's only a few. So if one comes by, you've got to do everything in your power to, to get them. And, I again, I would tank all 16 games for a left tackle. You heard it here <laughs> first. No, I mean, you're not wrong because, I mean – you see teams that who have a- average tackles will lock them up. You know they'll lock Chargers. them up for a while. Yeah, I mean just be- <laughs> I mean it's just because like you need one so badly. Like they're like quarterbacks. I mean like when you have a solid left tackle, you have a solid quarterback. Uh, there's another position I'm missing. Um, you want to oh and another edge rusher. You you know you lock those guys up. You want a really good edge rusher, left tackle, and a quarterback. Those are like the three main positions you need to lock up and have like steady yet so yeah i know i i know what you mean left tackles are very valuable um especially but let's get into our next prospect and this guy is a big boy i didn't really get to watch much of him but i was just like looking up like you know his weight his height and everything and like his story a little bit just reading a little bit on him and uh his name is daniel faalele from minnesota and i don't know if this was correct um this might have been an error but 399 pounds uh, I got him to be exact. I got him at six eight four hundred. Me too. Me too. Yeah, six eight four hundred. Four hundred pounds. Played rugby at that size. That's insane. Yeah, Hawaii went to see him on, and they saw him do like two drills, and they gave him a, a full that. ride to Hawaii. I heard yeah. about that story. <laughs> yeah, they they saw him do like two drills, and they were like, "Yeah, you want a full ride to uh to the University of Hawaii?" <laughs> and uh, <laughs> never played football before. All right, you guys ready? Yeah. Yeah, so I was looking up at Daniel Falele, a big boy. So I don't know if it was correctly, but I saw 399 pounds. I I don't know. 400 400 pounds. Certified thick boy. Yeah. (laughs) That is insane. Okay, so I want to know a little bit more about him. I'll start off with Saray here. I mean, 400-pound tackle. I mean, and we're talking about him in the top five, you know. I mean, what makes him special? I mean, <laughs> that's big. Oh, uh, man. Okay, let's go start here, all right? 6'8", 400 pounds, doesn't have a lot of experience, right? To be consistently, to be able to play in the NFL, they're going to ask him to cut some weight, right? You can't do shit about the height, <laughs> height at 6'8", <six>, but... <laughs> 400 pounds is 400 pounds, right? I like to see him get down to like 365, 370 maybe. Um, dude, he's a great athlete for his size, very mobility, has great limb. I mean, when you're 6'8", dude, you just your your long arms are just going to naturally just be there. There's nothing you can do about that, man. Uh, man, he deals with power rushers very, very well, man. His anchor ability is really something to watch. When you're watching dudes who are really strong go up against Daniel, I mean, he, he can hold his own. If you're looking for somebody who's a technician, this ain't him, right? And that's just going to come with experience, right? That's going to come with coaching. That's going to come with more football experience, playing more games. Um, no idea if this dude's going to come out. Is he a junior? I don't even know what, what year he's in, to be honest with you. Um, if he, he, I don't know if he's going to come out, but if he does, teams he's are just going to look I at believe. him. Oh, so yep. he has no choice. He's a senior, so he is coming out. This big uh, man is coming out. <laughs> So again, stick say 400 senior with little experience. You better believe Jim Nag is going to have him all over his senior senior bowl, man. He if he can go to the senior bowl and show that you know he can play with you know he's playing at Minnesota, he's playing against top notch talent. But if he can prove that you know he can improve his technique at places like the senior bowl where scouts are going to be at, that's going to be huge for him. Um, dude, he just needs to learn when it, a lot of his issues I have seriously is just experience and things like he needs to know when and where to strike right hand usage, hands placement. A lot of that stuff is just experience. He tends to lower his pad level, and he, you know he he likes to get hands on, and he loses posture. You know it it's it, all this is experience stuff, right? The technique is very raw, but it's because he played rugby. You imagine playing rugby and having to see this man at six eight four hundred with a ball in his hands? I'm making a business decision. I don't want to tackle you, <laughs> dude. I, seriously, I, I don't understand how this kid, man. Daniel said when we we're off air. He was doing drills. Hawaii seen him do two drills and offer the kid a, a full ride scholarship. That's the type of world we live in. Six eight four hundred. That's unheard of for a right tackle. I mean, yeah. you've seen dudes like Keith Dunlap was like six nine, six ten, but he wasn't four hundred pounds and he no, didn't move. I've, I've never seen this. 
Dude, <laughs> seriously, he does. He should be playing basketball, dude. He could be playing at the four or five positions somewhere in the NBA. Right I've now. never he, seen that either. Four hundred pounds. <laughs> four hundred pounds, it, dude. It, seriously, it's it's like Zion. There's just some weird dudes who are just have a, a ton of height and they have a ton of weight, but they're just athletically gifted. You don't see it very often, and you would think for somebody his size, you know, they want to kick him in the guard because he's so big. It ain't happening, dude. He's too much of an athlete for him to be in confined space. He he works well in space. He works well using athleticism and the length. Again, all my issues are going to be technique and experience for him, and that's just going to come over with coaching, playing. And he he better hope we have a season because if he does, man, he could be a sleeper to climb up some draft boards. Is he viewed as more of a like a run stop? Like a is he better in the run department or the passing department? I would assume the run department. Oh, he's he's a great run blocker. I yeah. would just, I, yeah, I'm yeah. just, I'm, I'm just yeah. assuming he's a muller. That's just what I'm viewing in my yeah, mind right now. <laughs> it's like someone you just want in your run game, like in your run game. Like if you are like big into a run game, like teams like Seattle were back in the day. Like I feel like this would be like a perfect fit. <laughs> yeah, somewhere, somewhere, Dave Gettleman is like swooning in an office somewhere. Oh, he's just like no. cooped up in the dark, just watching Daniel Falain F- F- tape, oh, just like evil laughing at his. Film. Yeah, oh, really. Bro. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so I think, look, I, if you love trench play, just go watch this kid's film. You're not going to watch a technician, but, like, he just wastes dudes, like, constantly, just absolutely. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Absolutely two hands, boom, they're in the dirt. You know, like there was a guy on Fresno State. I think it was a safety who came on a blitz. He came in. My man is like, I don't know, six foot, 190. Falele just absolutely ended his career. Like the, the only thing missing from that play was like the GTA wasted thing. <laughs> like that that is what ha- like he put him in a grave. This is a player with, you know, elite power right all throughout his body. And I, I obviously it comes from his massive weight. I thought it was interesting that. Saray said he wants him to get down to like 365. I don't even know if it's going to be possible, honestly, just because like the way he's carrying it on that frame, will he lose some weight? Probably. Um, but that's like 365 is going to be a lot for him. But man, this is a good athlete for his size, man. He moves. His feet are quick, man. For for somebody who's as big as he is, like that first kick slide, like kind of quick. Like I, I was like really impressed. And you see him like pull out into space and you know what he's moving pretty well and you know length right he's got vines for arms you know and and that instantly makes him a problem the blocks that he's able to reach like when he's pulling down the line like he can reach a three tech easily right like no no concerns there he can he can reach out to a seven tech sometimes on the outside he just takes that one step and boom he's there already with that length so you know, again, Saray covered a lot of the points that, you know, make him a difficult prospect to evaluate because like the the experience and the technique just isn't there. You know, this is a player who just hasn't been playing football for very long. He played like one year of high school ball, goes to Minnesota and, and things have just been a work in progress for him. This is a player who hasn't been around the game. I, you know, I, I was uh, listening to the Locked On NFL Draft podcast and they were saying how like, you know, he learned the game from Madden. And like, that's how he learned the rules of football. He, you know, he played Madden and, and different things like that. So this is a player who's just really, really raw, but my goodness, you have some elite physical tools. I think the only player that you could really compare him to would be Makai Becton. I don't think he's Makai Becton. I think Becton's better than Falele, right? But like, as far as like players that we have seen this big, this mobile, you know, he's in that uh, ballpark. I, I think Becton's a better athlete. I think he was more technically sound. For sure, but in the ballpark, right in that realm of you know giant people who move really well. So, um, really, really fun player. Uh, he's currently my OT three. I have a late second round grade on him. I'm really high on the upside here. I, I just think that this is a player who, I mean, honestly, he might not ever be a technician, but he's going to be so damn hard to get around for NFL rushers. And if you put him in an offense that say is like you know, say Miami's offense this coming season, you know, that's an offense that wants to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands in like three seconds or less, you know, most plays. And I don't think you're going to get around him with his length and with his feet 
in more than three seconds. And you're certainly not going to go through him. I, I don't think anyone's going to go through him. So th- there's half the battle you won right there. All you have to do is use your length to to win the outside rushes. And, you know, that's easier said than done. But this is going to be an extremely difficult player to beat. And I, I just think that in the right offense, in the right scheme, this is a very, very high upside player. Again, you know, I, I made the Dave Gettleman joke earlier, but like, I, I think he'd be great on the Giants. Yeah, I really do. It just they're they love to power run the damn football. Him and Andrew Thomas. I mean, come on, you know, so like uh, there's a lot of places where I'd really like to see him. But again, raw player, the, there's a lot to grow here. I don't think he's going to be everyone's cup of tea. It seems like Saray and I are more airing on the on the positive side here but uh there are going to be some people who are going to be really low on him because they're going to look at him they're going to be like man this kid has a lot of work to do but i just think his physical traits are so overwhelming man i i have to bet on him like i i just have to i i doesn't, would feel bad if i didn't doesn't this just scream like a seattle seahawks first round pick right here yes, yes. <laughs> it does yes. but see they usually draft bad players in the first round and i think he's good so i i'm, I'm hoping you know if it's they a, draft him in the first round i'll be like concerned uh, you know like yeah uh. it's not necessarily bad didn't they trade time. their first round pick for jamal adams anyway they did yeah yes they did yeah <laughs> but like i'm just like imagining like seattle because they love to run the ball and i'm just imagining him and like damian lewis like who they just grabbed from lsu this year just another molar in the run game <laughs> I would imagine Daniel a zone blocking scheme. Like if he went to the Vikings and they just told him, "Hey, just be an athlete and just get to a certain area. Just block that area. Just zone blocking scheme." Yeah, like that could work. he would, he would, ex- he would excel in a system like that. And he's so, t- dude, with his his length and his size, it's gonna be hard for dude like Dante said to get around him. Like if we're getting a ball out in three seconds, it doesn't matter who he's lining up against for the most part. I mean, <laughs> I need you to just get a hand on somebody, and he's able to do it. Yeah. All right, let's get into our third prospect, Samuel Cosme from the University of Texas. I'll start off with Sarah again on this one because Dante was just, you know, he got me excited now. I want to watch him <laughs> of uh, Daniel <laughs> So uh, Samuel Cosme, um, what's your thoughts on him? Where do you have him kind of ranked in your uh, rankings? Where do you see him going, like, uh, in the draft at least? So right now I haven't, you know, watched every tackle, but I've watched enough to know he's inside of my top six and seven right now. Um I was listening to Jordan Reed's new podcast. He's doing like a scout and a scout series, right? So he's teaching you, you know, he's talking to some of the top guys in the business. So like Lance Zorline was in there for the first episode and then Matt Miller was second. And uh, one thing that Lance said that kind of reminded me of Cosme, he goes, you know, when he's taking notes, he goes, you know, after he's done taking notes on a guy, he's going to see more negatives than positives on his notes. And he goes, well, damn, I thought I was, you know, higher on this dude, you know, but after watching film, it's like that's how it was when I watched Cosme. There's a lot of hype. You know, Corey is really high on him. Don Sapper, you know, Corey. Um, yep. Really high on Selma Cosme, man. We're always talking to Slack app, you know, and we were talking about the tackle house a while ago, and he's really, really likes him. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know. He, I don't think he has like an understanding of who he is as a, as a, a left tackle yet, right? He's six seven, three oh nine. He's got this big upper body build, but he's he's really slim and he's sleek, right? So his lower body, you know, he has some balance and power issues sometimes. Uh, when I turned on the LSU game, I thought he started out really, really strong. I thought he held Caleb on Chasen, you know, really, really strong. And as the game went on, Chasen was getting into his chest. He was beaten to the outside. Um, and he knows sometimes, dude, when he's dealing with a speedy edge rusher like Caleb on was, his first kick slide, he knew it, it had to be quick. And Caleb I understood that as a pass rusher. So when he knew it, I can beat you and it's a two-way go, that's when you started seeing him just get into his chest and just drive him into Sam Ellinger. And I was like, dude, he has he has he he doesn't know how to win yet. Um I don't his his hands are always active, right? They're ready to pop, but he doesn't know how and when the timing of when to pop and punch, right? That's the issue for me. Um I think again, we talked about the balance issue. He he plays on the balls like on the on the tip of his toes, dude. And I think that's why like he has balance. I I want to see him on the you know balls of his feet. And the, again, hand, the hand placement was inconsistent. I was lower on him than I thought I was be. I had a lot of hype on him, you know, going into me watching him. Don't get me wrong, he's a very raw prospect. Again, he's figuring out what's best way for him to win. Um he has easy movement skills, man. If he he can move some people off the football, which is very apparent on film. He's a determined run blocker downhill. He's strong. He can move you off the football. He just doesn't have a understanding of who he is as a prospect and how he wants to win yet. Um and I thought I thought, kind of thought the same thing with Leatherwood. We're not gonna talk about him, but I kinda of had some of the same things about him. But I just I don't I don't know who Samuel Cosme is yet, right? I know he's a big dude. 
I liked him get bigger in the lower body, right? I think that's something he can afford to do, and it may help with his balance issues. Obviously, a lot of that is, you know, his, his stance and how he plays, but there's a there's room for growth. And again, I, I think the upside is it's it's very I wouldn't it's I like it. I mean, I I think you know with the right coaching and the right landing spot, he can be successful. I just think he needs to continue to get better and learn, you know, who he is as a prospect and how he wants to consistently beat edge rushers. Um, and he, he's got to deal with speed better, man. I, he, he has an issue with red rushers who know how to convert speed to power, which, again, going back to Jason, was one of the most apparent ones. Um, the Oklahoma game, he didn't look bad, but there's, again, some plays on film where his hands are ready to go and he just doesn't strike them, right? He gets, lets a defender get into his chest. He's driving, getting drive back into the quarterback's, uh, you know, back. It's little stuff like that, man, and that, that's literally just your hand placement. If you can get your hands on the guy before he gets his hands on you and you move your feet, you know, fastly and correctly, he'll be okay. So I think technical issues are there. Again, raw prospect, hopefully he gets it figured out because I think the upside is something that teams want to want to bank on in the future. Got you. Oh, got you. What do you think about him, Dante? Yeah, I think it's funny that we're talking about him right after talking about Falele because, like, if you just flipped everything that we said about, like, <laughs> Falele, you'd get, yeah. like, Samuel Cosme, right? Like, yes. this is a player who's, like, light as hell in the trunks, right? Like, this is a man who needs some sand in his pants going to the next level, and I thought it was it was nice that you mentioned the LSU game, right? Because for me, as someone who watches, you know, I try to get to, like, three to four games of a player, you know, I, I thought the LSU game was like a perfect microcosm of what Sam Cosme is, right? And, and Saray did an excellent job highlighting that where, you know, you talked about the matchup with Kalevion Chason and a lot of people, you know, the initial reaction from that game was, oh, Chason killed Cosme. And, and that was not the case. I, I, Cosme held his own for the most part. But I do agree with Saray that like once Chason realized that he wasn't going to beat Cosme around the outside shoulder he said okay I'm gonna go through him and he went through him a couple of times and they were some you know impressive reps right like there's a reason Clavion Chason was a first round pick and uh so I, I think for Cosme right this is a good mover I think he's a fluid athlete I, I like him in space I like his footwork I like his initial kick slide I think he's a good pass protector and I think that that is is pretty valuable um but I worry about his ability in the run game, right? Like the Texas offense, you know, it's just like, you know, he doesn't really do a lot of, you know, power run. Like I like my tackles and, and my guards to move people, right? Like, and I know we're not a big on, oh, you know, the run game doesn't matter, this, that, and the other. But I, I do like my tackles, my big men up front to move people. And I don't see Cosme as a people mover. He doesn't move anybody. And I, I don't think he has great power. I don't think he has you know, a great anchor either. So he needs to either get heavier or get stronger. I, I probably both, but I, I think one of those things needs to come because guys are just going to get into his chest and just bull rush him back. And and that is a huge hole in his game. But the things that he does well, I really like, I, I do think he's a very good pass protector. I think he's going to beat speed rushers, right? Like he's going to be someone, you know, with his length and his size and his quickness, he's going to be someone that can handle, you know, Clavian chase on around the outside edge. And that's impressive, right? Because chase on has, you know, great burst and really, really good bend. And I thought Cosme did a really, really good job in that area. But, you know, again, once Chason figured out that he could go through Cosme, that's when problems started to to kind of come up. And that's something that I saw across his film. It wasn't just that game. Now, you know, Chason clowned him a couple of times because, you know, he's a first round pick. But, you know, some other guys that, you know, I, again, like random guys on, you know, Baylor and, you know, not the James Lynch of Baylor and then not the Ronnie Perkins on Oklahoma. Like these guys were pushing him back. So he needs to get himself either stronger in the core or, or you know a little more sand in the pants because right now the anchor just isn't there and that worries me but the the upside of his quickness and his ability to pass protect i think is really good uh he's currently my ot5 um i, I believe i have a, a you know, late second round maybe a high third round grade on him i don't know somewhere on day two it's it's the summer but um i, I think the upside is nice here but we got to either build strength or build the weight because there is a, a very big hole in his game right now he, you know he's an incomplete player okay i want to talk about a very interesting prospect so i read some very interesting th- you know thoughts about this guy dylan radins out of north State, who obviously is one of the big tackles for uh, Trey Lance, you know, one of the top quarterback prospects going into 2021. And uh, as I was reading on uh, Radiance, I saw he missed the 2018 season, I believe, to a torn ACL, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, then he came back next year and had a pretty impressive year. Um, I believe allowed zero sacks. I mean, we're talking about North Dakota State right here. We're not talking <laughs> like SEC. We're not talking Big Ten, stuff like that. But um, impressive. So I'll start off with Surreal again. Um, what's your thoughts on Dylan Radiance? You know, where do you have him ranked? 
from what I've read, you know, seems like a very nice, impressive prospect. Offensive tackle three for me right now. Um, I'm really high on this kid, man. <laughs> uh, my, my first three right now, out of the ones that I've watched, dude, I had Sewell at one, Leatherwood at two, and Dylan at three. And the more I watch Leatherwood, the more he just continues to kind of just fall down the board. But that's something we can talk about later. <laughs> um, the, the huge knock on him is going to be the playing the level of competition he played against, right? And that was the same thing for Carson Wentz. When he came out, it's going to be the same thing if Trey Lance comes out and any other top prospect that comes out of North, you know, North Dakota State. You talked about the injury history. You've talked about um, not giving up any sacks. Redshirt senior, right? The experience is there. That's something that um, kids coming from North Dakota State, they're never going to declare early unless you're Trey Lance, right? Um, he's a left tackle, and I think the senior bowl is going to be really, really important for this dude. Um, God forbid COVID screws this up for us and we don't get a senior bowl. But if we have one and Dylan's able to go, which I'm sure Jim Nagy's already been all over this dude's film, he's got a lot of stuff you like on film, man. Full of movements on tape, good body control, contact balance. He's a quick mover out of the stance, has no problem moving this man off the ball, getting to the second level. Good technique and very good hand placement. Um, you're going to notice him lunge over extent on occasions. He's going to struggle to get his hand on second level. If he's working to the second level and a defender is not right in front of him, he's going to struggle to get his hands on, right? If, if it's a moving target and he's at the second level, he'll get there, but he's going to have an issue getting his hands on him. That's again, that's If he's struggling to do that at that at the FCS level, that may worry me at the, at the next level. Um, he's He was dominant against lower-level competition. I can't really I, – I put a minus next to it, but it's not really a minus. It's more of just – it's good, right? You want to see dudes like this dominate the competition, but it worries you because it's lower-level competition, right? So – Again, if he gets the senior bowl, we've got to see him really outperform everyone there and show that he belongs with the big boys. Um, speedy rushes will win with the inside rush move. And that's, again, at the FCS level. So if speedy edge, rush, edge rushers at this level are going to beat him you know, occasionally with, with that move, that's something he's going to have to work in, right? And, I, again, I, I really, I'm really high on him. I told you he's my offensive tackle three. Um, there's another tackle in here who you know, is kind of great at the same that we're going to talk about. But, dude, I, I just don't know – what you're going to get from somebody from this from this level. Um, we talked about the positives and how really good he is, but again, dude, North Dakota State. It's I have a hard time kind of watching their prospects because they're just going to completely dominate everybody every week, and their players are always the best on the field, right? It's never a week where I'm going into a game and I'm like, damn, that quarterback was better than Trey Lance, or that <laughs> tackle was better than Dylan. Like, it's just not going to happen at the FCS level is simply just not that just worries me a lot and I, I again if you can play they'll find you I'm all for that I get it I love the small school guys I just I just don't know if he's going to be able to translate you know his positives and his upside to the NFL right now I got you what do you thought what's your thoughts on him uh Dante well yeah I'm, I'm surprised that Saray has him so high he's actually my my OT4 so we're, we're not separated at all he, he and I seem to be on the same page with rankings it's been a bit um but I, I thought it was interesting that uh you brought up Jim Nagy right because you know I have a ton of respect for Jim Nagy right great dude um super nice my man's got um Rod as as his number one overall tackle in this class over Penny Sewell right so I just putting that into perspective right like <laughs> that that's insane i agree right like i i I think that's crazy but this is a a real tweet that he sent you can search it and it was it was reported by matt miller again not matt miller's opinion he's reporting it from scouts that there are scouts in the nfl that also have him at over penny sewell at ot1 so again like this is a player that the nfl clearly likes now like getting into his film man this is this is some fun film, man. Like he he's he dominates people. There's a game against the Youngstown Penguins, by the way. That is their mascot, the Penguins. Nice. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I, I recommend Googling that as well. That'll give you a laugh. He takes this penguin, right? And he drives him about twenty yards back behind the play. He grabs a hold of him, runs him twenty yards behind the line of scrimmage on a run play. You know, it's like that scene from the blind side where Michael Orr blocks that dude into the parking lot. That's what it looks like, seriously. So this is the type of Yeah. Yeah, you know, when you said he drove the penguin, I don't know why I was just imagining like him driving the mask guy. (laughs) That was that's kind of what I saw in my head, man. Like this dude was like a small edge, man. Like he was not big at all. He was like I don't know, he might have been like 6'5", 
six foot, maybe, and like Radu's just took him and boom, drove him like 20 yards down the field. It was hilarious. But um, yeah, physically dominant player, really, really good power in the trenches. You know, NDSU runs the ball a ton, so he has a ton of experience down there. He's got nice leg drive. Um, I, I think he's a good athlete as well. I think he moves really well. He's a springy athlete. He's got a nice spring in that kick step to get back. Um, you know, I think he moves quite well in space. I do agree with Saray. I'd like to see him have a little bit of better accuracy out there, right? Like there are some blocks where like he just whiffs on dudes. And I don't know if I almost feel like he's playing too fast at times, which sounds weird to say for an offensive tackle because, you know, they're, they're the big dudes. But I, I honestly think he just if he slowed down a little bit and came became more controlled, I think he would have, you know, a little bit better reps blocking in space. Um, but again, really, really good athletic profile, really, really good power profile. Um, the big thing for me is just question marks. And, and like Saray said, it's kind of hard to hit him with negatives on this. But like, yeah, great. He beat up a bunch of penguins. Fantastic. You know, I don't know how well that translates, you I know, to the next level. I'm just like imagining him like pushing around penguins. Now. I don't know why. <laughs> like actual penguins. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, so he, he beat up a bunch of penguins and, you know, and that that's great. And, and his film is good. And you want those small school players to look dominant. But again, it's hard for me to say. And then like the NDSU offense in itself is just like very limiting, right? Like they, they run, you know, the same running concept every play. They're just going to run it down the other team's throat. And, and, you know, he's really good at what he does. I just don't think he has a, a diverse toolbox at this stage of his career. And that's okay. This is a developmental player from an FCS program with incredible upside. I think his film is quite good. I have a second round grade on him. He's my OT4. This is a very good football player. And I, and I know I've been making jokes about Penguins the entire time, but I think that, you know, he's he's very good. This is a good athlete with good power. I think his technique's pretty solid, uh, honestly, especially his lower half. I liked his lower half a lot more than his upper half. I think he could be a little bit better with his hands, but I thought his first kick slide was good. I thought he did a good job mirroring with his feet and, and stepping with edge rushers and, and leading them around the outside of the arc. Um, so there's a lot to like here. Good physical tool set. Um, just needs some refinement. Just needs some polish. And I, obviously, I'd like to see him against better competition. You know, Jim Nagy has him in OT1. Great. Let's see him at the Senior Bowl. I, I would love to see him at the Senior Bowl. That would be big for him. Um, I'm, I respectfully disagree with Mr. Nagy's take, but I, I'd love to see him at the Senior Bowl. I think it would be great for him. 100%. Before we move on, sorry to cut you off, Tyler. I have to read this tweet. No, you're good. Uh, this was 7-16-2020. Matt Miller tweeted, As I dig in and evaluated offensive tackles this summer, one thing I heard often and much more than expected from scouts, again, like Dante said, he wasn't reporting this, from scouts, is that Sewell isn't entrenched as OT1. Sources pointed to lack of length and play strength as corners. Concerns. I like the strength. I don't know where you're getting that from. Imagine, I don't know. Imagine what you're saying Penny Sewell was weak. Could not and, be. And the, lack, and the lack of length? I don't necessarily agree with that. He's not the longest, rangiest dude, but he gets the job done. Um, he goes on to say he's the top tackle on my board, but scouts say that Dylan, Sam Cosme, Walker Little could all be drafted ahead of Sewell. I don't care who Walker you are. Little. Walker no. Little, that is bad. He is no good to me. If Walker Little say, is drafted before Penny Sewell, I'll drop out of college. Wow. I won't ever watch. You can clip that. Watch, you can clip that. I will drop I out of college. <laughs> I won't do any more film. I won't write any more scouting reports. Just, just, uh, just watching football, and you think Walker Lode is going to be? Good. I don't know what you're banking on. I, I don't understand that. I, that's Weird. stupid. I'm. I, it's really stupid. All right, let's get into our fifth and final prospect. Another intriguing prospect, from what it seems like and what I've read from. Uh, tackle out of the University of Clemson, Jackson Carmen. I'll start off with Dante on this one. What's your thoughts on Jackson Carmen? Um, where do you have him ranked? You know, I've, I've seen as high as OT2 after Penny Sewell. Or Sewell. Sewell. My fault. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen as uh, far as offensive tackle number two potentially in this class. And I'm, you know, curious and interested, interested to see where you have him. Yeah, so uh, he is my offensive tackle too. Okay. Uh, I, I think that this is a player whose film is really, really good in the ACC. Um, and I know that that, you know, kind of sounds like I'm taking a dig at the conference, but this is a guy who handled, you know, the ACC has some pretty good pass rushers and I thought Carmen did a really good job of them. He's a big dude. This is another meaty man. All right. He is thick. He is powerful. He's got really, really great shock in his hands. He loves to do, 
um, you know, the, this swipe down thing, right, where guys try to rush the outside arc and he just grabs them and pulls them into the ground, right? Like he he took the Texas A&M rusher and, and dug him a grave like three or four times in the first half. And I was like, brother, we got to hit some inside counters here because you're getting killed. Um, and so Carmen's got great hands, great length, a really, really nice physical profile. He is a little, you know, again, I think he moves OK, uh, but I, I'm not overly in love with his movement skills. And I think that's where the concerns start for me. Um, I, I think he checks the box, right? Like this is not a prohibitively bad thing. It's not something I would write under a con, but I don't also think it's like a plus for him, right? Like I think he's fine. I think he can play tackle at the next level. I don't have any, you know, necessary concerns, but like, like speedier guys will beat him. You know, they, they will get around him, especially if he misses with that first punch, right? Because this is a player who I think he knows that he's bigger and stronger than everybody. And he just goes, okay, I'm just going to punch the dude in front of me. And I'm almost 400 pounds, so they're going to go down and I'm going to be fine. And you started to see these concerns come up when he went up against Chase Young in the college football playoff game. And if you watch that film, right, and obviously, like, Chase Young's a fantastic edge prospect, right? Like, I expect Carmen to lose reps against Chase Young. So, you know, kind of grading on a curve. But, man, Chase Young came in and he said, "Okay, you're going to punch me. I'm going to move and you're not going to hit me. And then I'm going to run around you. And he killed Carmen with that in the first half. And I, I assumed, like, I, I, you know, I was watching the second half, and I was like, all right, Carmen's going to come back out here, and he's going to be more conservative, and, you know, he's going to get back into his stance and just trying to, you know, try and eat Chase Young with his size. And he just didn't do that, right? So a, a failure to adapt in that situation where he kept trying to just punch Young right off the snap, and Young just kept, you know, swiping that hand away and going right around him. And so, I, again, Carmen has some technical things. I'd like to see him getting cleaned up. I, I do think he has some limitations, but, man, his film at times is just utterly dominant. You know, this is a player who is physically dominant, his grid, you know, he's great length, really, really good power, nice frame. Um, I think his movement skills check the box. I wouldn't call him a plus mover, but he, he's good enough. Uh, so there's a lot to like here. There's a lot of upside too. If you can maybe even cut down on the weight just a little bit to get him to be a little bit more springy, I think you'd really be cooking with grease. Um, so this is a high second round pick for me. I really like Jackson Carmen. I, I think that there's a ton there, but again, I. I hope he plays this year. Like I, I don't, you know, obviously if he wants to opt out, I respect this decision. That's his call, but he's someone that I'd want to see grow this year. Right. Because he, you know, chase young pretty much put out the blueprint of, Hey, here's how you beat this guy. And I want to see if he adjusts. I want to see if he, you know, again, I don't mind him going out to punch dudes, right? Because he's got great length and he's extremely powerful. I like that. He plays that way because he's playing to his strengths, but you know, when you lose that battle a couple of times, I need to see you adjust over the course of four quarters. And I didn't see that from him. And, you know, Chase Young is an elite prospect that, you know, you have to grade on a curve a little bit. If your worst game is against Chase Young, I think you're doing OK. You know, right. This is a great college football player and, and uh, probably a really good NFL edge rusher. So, again, grading on a curve for Carmen. I like a lot what I see. I thought he did a good job against pretty good competition in the ACC, you know, given that they have good pass rushers. I know the ACC is a weaker conference, but there's a lot of NFL pass rushers that he faced. Um, so I, I like a lot of what I saw from Carmen. Just need to see him grow a little bit. I got you. I got you. Uh, Saray, what's your thoughts on Jackson Carmen? Where do you have him ranked? Oh, man. So earlier I said that Leatherwood is my offensive tackle, too, and that he just keeps dropping down. He keeps dropping down because I'm watching Jackson Carmen, damn it. The more <laughs> I watch this kid, the more I put him in offensive tackle, too. Dude, I'm telling you, this kid plays with a mean streak. He wants to punch you in the mouth 24-7, and he wants to let you know that there's almost nothing you can do about it. He is a dog, man. Great size, great length. Good hand usage. It can be inconsistent at times, but I have that concern more about his footwork. When he talked about speedy edge rushers, the footwork is where I have some issues with him. And again, like he said, his worst game was against Chase Young. Whose worst game wasn't against Chase Young? <laughs> like, I mean, if we're being honest, there's it's Chase Young. Man, I mean, I mean on, on the other hand, it's weird that we say that because when I was going through reading some draft guides you know, from last year's draft, a lot of people had Clemson as Chase Young's worst game. And I didn't understand it because he didn't have a sack, but stop box score scouting, turn on the film, look at the quarterback pressures, look at the quarterback hits, look at the pocket, he's closing it. There's more to the game than just sacks, and that's what people don't understand about Clowney, too. He's not going to go get you 10, 15 sacks a game, but Clowney is really, 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 really talented. He does a lot more than just, you know, sack the quarterback. But getting back to Carmen, dude, he, man, anchor ability is really well. Dude, he's a big boy, 6'5", 345. I'd also like to see him lose some weight. I don't know how much weight exactly because he plays with so much strength and power. Um, he has 
has a tendency to lower his head at the point of attack. And that's just because he's so used to just mauling people, right? He's just, I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to run you over. Ain't nothing you can do about it unless you're Chase Young, of course. But, uh, man, I, dude, I, sometimes he leans on his opponent instead of using his length. You know, he can win from, from afar because he has really long arms. And, again, I just think that's because he's just trusting his power a little too much sometimes, right? I mean, if you're – it's, it's kind of like Mike Tyson, right? If you're a big dude and you know for sure if I hit you one time, the chances of you getting back up are very slim, I would do the same thing. I, I So, again, it's a negative from a technique standpoint. But when I say he's leaning on dudes, he's just doing it because he's just that big. There's not, nothing you can do about that. Moving on to the hand strike timing. <laughs> really good hands. Uh, man, I like the hand placement. He's just, he's, a, he's a good player, man. I, I said him and Leatherwood are really close at offensive tackle, too. I think Carmen's better. And, I again, I said the more I watch Leatherwood, the more he slides down. It's because Jackson Carmen's really talented. I like everything this dude brings to the table. I, I gave him a high second-round grade. I think he can, like Dante said, benefit from having a season. And I want to see him grow and improve. <laughs> and that's that's it. I, I just I really like Jackson Carmen. I, I have I have no other takes. I'm sorry. I was messing with some background effects on Sky. <laughs> oh is there my a, gosh. Is there a penguin background? <laughs> I was looking for that, but I couldn't yeah. find one. But um, you guys switched on my screen, so like yes. on the left was Dante and on the right was Tyler, <laughs> and you switch and all I see is a chain. Oh my gosh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, back on topic. <laughs> All right, I think this episode of us breaking down the offensive line oh. prospects. I wish you guys could see this. I wish you could have saw that, but that was. All right, I'm gonna. I'm done talking. Hope you guys all enjoyed. We'll be back next week with some more interior offensive alignment. All right, we're out. Peace.